there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 40 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we are reading chapter 18 of Offworlder, a book I wrote in a month. Well, if you want to write into the show, you can go over to jeffreadshisbook.com, and there's a few ways to contact me there. My voice cracked real bad right there. (laughs) We are in for a good episode. Uh, Also, while you're there, why not consider buying copies of these two terrible books that I have for sale on the webpage? You could get the ebook version, but wouldn't it be way more fun to have paper copies sitting on your shelf? That way, you could share them with friends if you wanted to. You might be able to share ebooks too. I don't know. Who cares? Ebooks suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly, you gotta buy them from Amazon. Um, I should make them available somewhere else, huh? That would be pretty rad, though. Uh, anyway, uh, let's get into it a little bit here. Uh, I got some feedback from last week's episode. Uh, only one set of feedback. We got it from Glenn, and he writes in with his answers from the cha- episode 39, chapter 17, discussion question. So, first discussion question was, is a book a nerdy gift? And Glenn writes in with, books are a staple gift for me and my wife. As a gift for a crush, it depends, right? So he's talking about Henry and Margot. If you're getting a book on a topic your crush enjoys, it shows you've been paying attention to their interests and thinking and are thinking about them even when they're not around. Oh, Glenn's such a romantic. <laughs> if you buy them a book on a topic you like and are trying to get them into it, you look selfish and should probably be less of a douche. Very good point. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's done that, but ugh, I can't imagine getting Lara like a book on the history of computing. She'd be furious. Oh, I just wanted you to read this so you think, you know, you'd like some of the stuff I like. Ugh, gross. Ugh. All right, question two. Oh, and if Lara liked all the same stuff as me, that would be honestly infuriating because I, I, who wants that? I, I don't want to just talk to myself. I can do that in my head. Or out loud, whatever. (laughs) I'm doing it right now, in fact, because the live studio audience is empty. Am I right? Yes, nobody's sitting down here today. That's because we're doing this on a weird day, though, I think. Yeah. All right. Question two. Uh, What's something you're obsessed with that you, like, collect? So, because Margot was really into shoes, which we all discussed whether that's sexist or not. Um, But... What was I going to say? Damn it. And I pointed out I collect old computers. And if I were dating somebody who also collected old computers, uh, I think people would just call us hoarders. That's what we'd be. Do hoarders ever, like, get married? Oh, yeah. That's like double the hoarding power. That'd be so much worse. Anyway, uh, Glenn writes in, I collect games. Board games, card games, miniature games. I paint and collect miniatures of various types. It's one of the most useless hobbies in experience. Well, you never know. You might have to. What if... All right, I can't come up with anything. I wish I could. (laughs) What if there was a high-speed chase down your street and you threw all your metal miniatures into the street to stop the car and then he crashed into a tree once his tires exploded because they're clogged with um, authentic World War II reenactment figurines or let's say... uh, uh, What's that one you guys play? Damn it! 
so bad at this stuff. I don't play miniatures except when, you know, and obviously we can't be talking about Star Wars miniatures. They're all plastic. So, um, I don't know the name of it. Oh, I suck. Glenn's going to be pissed when I see him on Friday. All right. Um, question three. Uh, let's see here. Oh, ever turned a down a job because the interview felt sleazy? Oh, Glenn has a doozy here. Interviewed as a teenager with a with the classic sleazy company Cutco, door to door selling knives. <laughs> Had to buy your stock, right? So you'd have to actually pre buy all the knives you were bringing with you. Noped our out of that one during the break session. Wow, can you imagine? Oh, so you left like mid-interview or whatever this meeting was. <laughs> I Yeah, any of those weird like uh, sell it from home schemes, that's going to be bad. Yeah, you don't ugh, – ugh. I don't know how people do sales at all. I, I Like I sell something as for a living and I hate like the selling part of it. That makes me mad. Ugh. Yeah, I just feel like salesmen are always trying to stick it to me, which is probably true. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Laura, you still have time next week to write in with your feedback, and we'll read them on next week's episode. I don't think Laura's going to have any good ones for this, though. Eh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I know I've known Laura a long time, so I don't know any interviews she's had that have been sleazy. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, couple things we gotta go over, right? Before we get into the chapter. I gotta turn my paper pages over here. Uh, oh, so we're at a big milestone. Episode 40. Wow. I've made 40 episodes of this podcast. That also means we've read 40 chapters of this garbage I wrote. Actually, well, we have a, a retrospective in there. So we've only read 39 chapters. But then we can count the preface to bringing balance. So let's go back up to 40 chapters of just awful, awful writing. Oh, I just, these, uh, I didn't feel so bad with bringing balance, but this book's making me feel pretty, pretty embarrassed. I am just red in the face when I read this. And even this chapter coming up today, I'm not feeling good about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's just, it's just, the lack of a plot is infuriating and it's just so like childishly written I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm still just speechless about what to say about it. So let's just move on. 40 episodes. Very embarrassing. Write in if you want to congratulate me or tell me to stop. Please, God, stop. Right? It, it, either way. It doesn't matter. I'm going to keep doing this, obviously, because it's too much fun. <laughs> so uh, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Very special day. Uh, or a very different day. It's not special. It's just Tuesday. Uh, I couldn't do it Sunday because I was out tailgating for a uh, Browns football game. Ironic, well, not ironically. I just didn't go to the game, though. I just basically woke up in the morning so I could drink in a parking lot and then went home. <laughs> yeah. So that was a good time, but it didn't allow me any time to do the podcast. I kind of thought I'd start to try, but eh, it wasn't going to happen. It did, there just wasn't the time. And Laura was going to be home from taking care of the sweet, sad kitties too quickly. So I just opted to just skip it for the day. You know, sometimes you just can't squeeze it in. What are you going to do? Uh, and then Monday, uh, the lovely Laura had the day off because it was a holiday here. So we went out to lunch. Uh, we tried to go shopping for funsies. 
It didn't go so well there. It was like raining. It was this cold, shitty winter rain we're getting here in Cleveland now. Uh, I don't know. Don't come to Cleveland. Um, I'm going to say the only acceptable months are like, let's say late June to... Uh, you know what? I'll go through uh, mid-September. That's all you're allowed. Everything else, it just sucks here. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. It sucks. And you know what? August is going to be hot, so get ready for that garbage. But what the hell was I even talking about? Oh, that's why we did it on Tuesday. So that's why we're doing the podcast on Tuesday. So that means we're on the 12 days into November. So you people who are doing National Novel Writing Month, oh, you're approaching the halfway point. So... What, on Tuesday, you guys should be at like 19, 18,000 words typed? <sighs> you know, I'm feeling a little bit relieved I didn't do it this year. Maybe next, I mean, I'll do it next year. What the hell? But, ugh, ugh, it's so much work. And you guys are not even halfway there yet. You gotta keep up, keep up! Hey, if you're doing National Novel Writing Month, write into the show. I want to hear what you're writing about. I want to hear your plot, and I bet... Just type out like a little summary. I mean, I think sometimes if I if I had like written or told somebody the plot, like I told Laura the plot of Bringing Balance, like what I was thinking about, and uh, and that was before I started writing the book. So maybe that you know fleshed out a few of my ideas. I never told anybody what Offworlder was about, and I think it shows because somebody would have been like, "That sucks." <laughs> Yeah, so I got to remember to do that next time I write a book. Like, hey, here's my plot. What do you think? So somebody can go like, that's not a plot. That's just, that's a collection of ideas. You need a you need a plot, and there's nothing in this one. I, so we're getting to some later chapters, so the plot's going to, quote, ramp up, I guess. Oof. Oh, boy. Get ready. <laughs> so speaking of, you know... Getting further in this book, let's talk about today's chapter. Chapter 18. It I have it written down that it is six and a half pages long, which, is that the same as last week? Oh, that was six pages last week. Ooh, half a page extra. Aren't you guys excited? Um, six and a half pages long. Um, let me see. What did I say? Oh, we're going to talk about the budding romance of Henry and Margot. Ooh, also, ew, this is not going to be good. Yeah, you're going to be a little... I don't know. I cringed while I scanned the chapter. <laughs> uh, also, I have written down Henry might get some bad news. Oh, this is exciting. All right. Uh, I don't know how much magic's going to appear in the chapter. My guess is zero. So for a fantasy novel, I think maybe one out of three chapters includes magic in this book. Possibly less. It's pretty brutal to read. <laughs> well, anyway, I guess with that said, let's just go ahead and dive in to chapter 18. So for today's episode, I'm going to be sipping on a nice glass of Jim Beam Neat. Yeah, that's right. I am not having any ice today with my Jim Beam, mostly because it's cold as balls here, so... <laughs> I really need something a little warmer, and oh, god damn, it is cold as hell outside. Like, uh, on a weekday, I keep the heat real low while Lara's not here, because I'm a cheap bastard. So drinking Jim Beam on the rocks just kind of seemed like, I don't know, inappropriate. I want to warm myself up. Maybe I don't put ice in the whiskey today. <sighs> what are you going to do? But 
Jim Beam is so, so tasty and cheap. I was thinking about getting something. Oh, so I went to the liquor store today to try to get, I did need some more whiskey. And, uh, you know, I was leaning towards maybe getting the, uh, you know, what is it, 1783 that I usually get. But uh, I'm like, why don't I get some Beam today? But then the damn liquor store guy was trying to show me this uh, Ohio-only barrel strength uh, bourbon from uh, New Riff for like 50 bucks. It was expensive, but it was barrel strength. And, you know, it was a limited edition. But I know nothing about New Riff Distillery, so I was really... I don't know. I didn't want to spend $50 on something I didn't know about. So, yeah, I kind of was like, I was really tempted, but I had to say no. Just had to. You know, what are you going to do? Ah, it's a bummer. I would have liked to try it, but I don't want to spend $50 to try it. You know what I mean? If it's a gift from the lovely Lara, then I'll try anything that she gives me. Yeah, and then I don't feel bad about it. But if I'm out spending money on a Tuesday on bourbon and spending $50 on a Tuesday on bourbon, then I start to feel bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, speaking of that, let's have a sip and hit this book. Mm-hmm. All right. Janie arrived at breakfast before the staff meeting alone. She hated staff meeting days simply because she found it so difficult to stay awake during the meetings themselves. I think our listeners would agree that it's hard to stay awake when I read chapters about staff meetings as well, which I know I just pointed out, what, one out of three chapters features magic? I mean, we're getting close there with staff meetings, too. (laughs) It's about one out of three. Jesus. All right. She grabbed a bowl of oatmeal and a glass of juice and headed towards the outside tables at the busy commissary to find any of her friends. Doesn't, uh, this seems like, uh, I don't know, this whole book centers around them going to the stupid commissary. God damn. All right. Looking around, she saw Henry and Margot sitting together across from each other. Most tables were packed with mages trying to eat quickly before the meeting, but their table had only the pair at it. Even Trevor sat at another table, squeezed on the end of a bench, because he's a douchebag and wouldn't sit with people who were nice to him. Janie had feared it would happen after Friday, and it seemed Henry was now somewhat blackballed because of his stunt with the magistrates. Margot had always been blackballed, or maybe feared was a better word, so the pair must be repellent for anyone hoping to climb the career ladder. Janie, however, didn't care. She walked over and sat heavily next to Henry. Did you two realize nobody is sitting with you? She asked. Yes, and thank you for invading our privacy, Henry mocked. Shut up, Janie said. She watched Henry survey the tables as if just realizing this. Outcast table, Henry asked. Margot shrugged. I didn't see you all weekend, Janie pointed, uh, pointed out to Henry. What were you up to? Henry turned to Margot with a smirk. And Margot smiled back. Janie looked at them both and realized that she had missed something. Oh, God, she said, moving to leave. All weekend, I'm going to be sick. Laughing, Henry grabbed her forearm. No, no, it's not that. We went out Saturday night, that's all, Margot said. Janie stared at her for a moment until she continued. 
I came home Saturday night. You saw me. Janie made herself comfortable again. I thought for a moment you two had... I All right, I read that wrong. God damn it. I thought for a moment you had been scaring people away from your table all morning with tales of long-repressed sexual feelings for each other, she said. Both her friends began laughing hard. By the way, I don't want to hear about any of that stuff. It's just... Ew. I agree. (laughs) First of all, nobody said anything happened, Margot scolded her. And second... I wouldn't tell you about that. I would, Henry said, smiling. Margot shook her head at Henry, then continued. Nothing's changed, except that two of your friends are prone to making out with each other on occasion. Well, oh, I almost threw up a little bit at that dialogue. (laughs) Wow, that was bad. See, I was really not wanting to get to that sentence. Henry slapped the table and laughed loudly enough that other tables were now staring. He is a... Easily amused boy, isn't he? Ugh. Janie started laughing too and rolled her eyes at Margot. She seemed happier to Janie, and that was good. Can we just head to the meeting, Janie proposed? Might put an end to this breakfast awkwardness. Whew, drinking break. Thank God. (laughs) Mm. I'm going to need a lot of Jim Beam to get through this. This is just terrible. Ugh. Mm. Sorry, I didn't want Beam Incorporated to think I meant the Jim Beam. It's the book that's terrible. Yeah, Jim Beam is delightful. <laughs> Although, isn't it like... Uh, what, Beam Suntory now or Suntory Beam? I can't remember. One of the Japanese liquor companies owns Beam Incorporated. Which, I think that annoys my father. He's pissed about it, but uh, I don't know could be worse, right? It could be like Anheuser-Busch InBev. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Yeah, they they seem like good shits in Japan. They like bourbon. So as long as I still get my bourbon, I don't mind. Yeah, and they keep the quality up. Not like uh, Seagram's. They're a bunch of shitbags. They really ruined a couple bourbons when they owned them. Seagram's kind of shady. I don't know. Eh. What are you going to do? Let's have a little more before we continue. Because I'm already cringing at what comes next. Mm. Just to be clear, I don't know what happens next. I just assume it's going to be terrible. All right. Henry was pleased to see Pauline and Joe slide into the seats next to Margot. He had grown concerned that perhaps people would be avoiding the two of them completely, although he was relatively confident that, being an off-worlder, Pauline wouldn't care. Still, it comforted him to see that friends hadn't avoided him after his stunt the previous week. That was a bad sentence. All right. When the meeting began, both Elliot and Roland wore grave faces at the front of the hall. Their countenances didn't interest him nearly as much as the woman standing next to him. Ugh. <laughs> He's creeping out again on Margot. Jesus Christ, Henry. <laughs> so you're dating this girl and you're still kind of like, I don't know. It's a little creepy. Uh, I don't know. It's coming off creepy. Whatever. They've had like one date. Jesus. All right. His eyes fixed on her as she leaned to talk to Pauline. Oh, I'm cringing. Oh. 
As if sensing him, she swatted at him while continuing her conversation to the right. Henry grabbed at her flailing hand as the meeting began. Some of you may have heard the news that another village in the far west has gone empty. Has it always been the west? I feel like it was like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Who cares? I feel like I maybe kept track of that, but probably not. (laughs) Uh, Elliot began, we can't explain this. And neither can our small contingent of mages at Endrock. Ooh, another name. <laughs> so exciting. Roland can... Ooh, excuse me. Roland continued. We will be sending another group to the new village, Greystead, tomorrow... Oh, wow. There's a lot of freaking names in this, huh? Tomorrow, I like Greystead, though. That's a pretty good name, don't you think? Sounds very... Uh, uh, what do I want to say? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like Dungeons and Dragons, but I've never played that, so maybe not. <laughs> All right, whatever. We will be sending another group to the new village, Greystead, tomorrow morning before sunrise. We've contacted the magistrates, and they'll be sending troops as well. But they won't, oh, type a want apostrophe, be expected for at least a week. Lieutenant Jackson, do you have anything to add? Henry's supervisor stood from his position in the elevated seats on his right. The situation is quite dangerous, Jackson Jackson explained. Get tripping over these letters. Sorry, people. I'm not that you're missing anything. This book's bad. Do I say that too much when I read this book, that this is terrible? I, I feel like it speaks for itself. Maybe I should keep my mouth shut and just... Keep on reading, you know what I mean? All right. You all know we've lost a handful of people. Therefore, we will be sending mostly warrior mages pulled from some patrols and special reserves to the village. The goal is to investigate and isolate for the time being until we can identify the threat. Henry frowned at the news. He thought that he could be sent if things in the West were dangerous and dire. Just as a romance was starting, aw, he'd be pulled away to the West for weeks, he guessed. There was still a chance that he would get to stay. And then that that's a drinking break. <laughs> that paragraph ended real terrible. All right. Very tasty whiskey. I feel, what are we at? Like two and a half pages in? <laughs> All right. During Margot's lunch break, she walked to the training fields. It was exceptionally rare that Henry's and her lunches coincided, so she decided to catch him in person to see if he had heard anything more about possibly being sent west. She had hoped that, because he had fallen out of favor, they might keep him at the temple. She stood at the edge of the fields near what she guessed was an equipment building. And so, like the field house, right? Because we're at like, the, yeah, I think it's like a field house. And surveyed the mages for any sign of Henry. Eventually, she saw him doing some sort of drill with a large boulder. Ugh, really? She walked briskly to him. Went and So if he's always doing those kind of things, is he like buff from like a magic standpoint like i guess are you practicing technique or are you like you know getting that magic built up your magic muscles which 
probably could be interpreted incorrectly, but yeah, I don't know. When she was 20 yards away, Henry noticed her and met her halfway with a smile. Margot, he greeted her happily. What are you doing here? I was off for lunch and I thought I'd come find you, she said. Oh, well, I don't break for another hour, but if he started... No, no, I just wanted to quickly see what happened after the staff meeting, she said, interrupting him. Henry frowned. Period. Sorry, it just ends. Henry frowned. He nodded, saying, I've been picked to go. Margot closed her eyes. She had really hoped he wouldn't go, and the news felt devastating in light of their blossoming romance. Is that the second time that's come up? I don't know. This is so pukey. All right. She looked at him again and asked, Is there any way you can get out of it? Not this time, he said, sighing. But it will probably be for a week or two. At least, that's what people are saying. Margot scrunched her nose at the idea. She was pretty confident it would be longer, but she didn't want to tell Henry. Maybe was all she said. McCallum came a yell from across the field. Margot turned to see Lieutenant Jackson yelling. Henry looked back to Margot. Can I see you tonight? I'll stop at your house after I get done with this today. Of course, she replied warmly. I'll leave now. I've gotten you in plenty of trouble the last few days. Henry waved his hands. Ah, small price to play, to pay. Do you picture him like just flapping him around in front of his face? <laughs> like there's bugs. <laughs> Margot turned and briskly headed off the fields and towards her desk, which apparently is outside based on that sentence. (laughs) Drinking break! Wait, why would she go back to her desk? Isn't it lunchtime? They always eat at the commissary. Hmm. Delish. All right. I'm going to have another sip. This is, this chapter sucks. Hmm. Henry arrived at Margot's house just as the sun was setting. Ooh! Also, setting, right? We just had some setting in the book. After training, he had to sit through a briefing concerning his trip the next morning. The briefing took nearly an hour, and in the end, all he got out of it was that they would be leaving an hour before sunrise. Any details were to be covered during the journey. He was happy to be done with his long and disappointing day. He knocked on the door, and Pauline appeared as it swung open. Oh, hi, Henry, she greeted him. Are you looking for Margot and Janie? Um, I was looking for Margot, yes, he answered. They bent, bleh, bleh. They both went to your house. They told me to send you there, she explained. Sorry about the news that you're traveling. Thanks, Pauline, he said, smiling. It should hopefully be a relatively short trip. Sorry, sorry, having trouble reading. He waved and headed off towards his own home. He found the two women, unsurprisingly, sitting outside his house on his kitchen chairs, snacking on something in a bag. Ooh, I hope it's, um, what do I want it to be? What would Henry like? He's kind of a douchebag. What kind of food... I'm going to say munchos. (laughs) Who remembers munchos? They were like potato chips, but they were, I don't know, like poofy, sort of? They definitely weren't cut potatoes. Something else was going on there. I bet Henry's a munchos guy. Yeah. 
They tasted a little funny. You know, they were like, hey, what if we took potato chips, which are terrible for you and delicious, and we somehow made them also more terrible for you and probably less delicious. And that's how you get munchos. <laughs> Does anybody remember munchos? I don't even know if you can still buy them. I always figured munchos and funyuns for some reason sit in my mind next to each other. I feel like they're like a pair, munchos and funyuns. Funyuns, though, I know still exist. And they're pretty awesome. I like Funyuns pretty well. Yeah. Who likes Funyuns? Right into the show. Go to jeffreadsbook.com. All right. Um, what, okay, what the hell was I looking at here? Uh, both waved at him as he approached. Janie smiled warmly, but Margot's smile seemed almost forced. Yeah, forced. Hello, ladies, Henry said as he approached. I was just at your house. Pauline said you were both here. We thought you'd like some dinner, Janie explained. Oh, sure, let's go, he pointed towards the commissary. No, we made you dinner, Janie said. Well, maybe Margot mostly made you dinner. I just came to eat your food. Henry looked at Margot. Really? She's been eating your food all day, Janie. Oh, God. Janie joked in Rose. Ugh, I think that was supposed to be Margot joked in Rose, right? Because it says, well, maybe Margot mostly made you dinner. I just came to eat your food. And he looks at Margot and says, really? I think Margot's supposed to say she's been eating your food all day. Ha ha ha, get it? Get it? Because Janie said, I just came to eat your food. And he's like, really? She's like, yeah, she has been eating all your food. But, of course, it's a typo and doesn't work. Ugh, Misfired. Oh, I'm just so annoyed. It wasn't even a good joke, but now it's just wrong. <laughs> Henry stepped closer to her, eyeing Janie suspiciously. He wanted to step in and kiss Margot, but he wasn't sure they had been seeing each other long enough, two days, to have casual kisses as a greeting. Page turn. Margot decided for him, grabbed his wrist, pulling him towards the door. Come on, it's getting cold. Henry looked back at Janie, who rolled her eyes at the new couple and followed them through the door. Ugh. I'm rolling my eyes at the new couple, too. All right. Inside, Henry found the table set for three. The room smelled of fragrant meats, potatoes, and spices he couldn't identify. It smells amazing in here, he explained. Exclaimed. What do you think? Is this going to be stew? All right. Let's see. Uh, what's the over-under? All right. Place your bets now. We're paying out three to one. It's not stew because it's probably stew. <laughs> uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Oh, this is interesting. Sit down. It's probably cold. All right. You already said that. God damn it. Margot said, grabbing a frying pan and carrying it to the table. Janie grabbed a jug and poured three glasses of ale for the trio. Margot walked over and dropped spoonful after spoonful of some sort of hash onto Henry's plate. Ooh, wow. Past Jeff came up with a really good alternative meal that you would probably make in a skillet over an open flame. Yeah, a hash. Very nice. It looks great, he said, as she worked her way to Janie's plate and finally her own. She smiled and said, thanks. It's a recipe from up north that I happen to know. Once everyone sat down, they all began eating hungrily. Can't believe you have to leave, Janie said after a while. 
After a while? Isn't it after a while? Like one word, a while? No, who cares? Yeah, it's pretty awful, Henry agreed. But maybe it'll just be for a short time. Maybe. Be careful while you're there, though, Janie continued. Don't do anything you think might be a bad idea. Okay, Mom, Henry laughed. <laughs> Silent for a moment, he added. When have I ever done anything I didn't think was a good idea? I've been in plenty of trouble, plenty of trouble since starting here. Janie looked at Margot quizzically. You're quiet. Margot shrugged and forced a smile. Sorry, just thinking. When they had all finished, Janie was the first to rise. Well, I should leave you two alone, she said as she threw her napkin to the table. It's all right, you can, Janie, <sighs> Henry started, but Janie put her hand up. No, I'll see you, uh, I'll see you soon enough, and I've already imposed enough for tonight, she insisted. You make it sound like you don't usually impose, Henry said, grinning. Shut up, off-worlder, she scolded, and stay safe for crying out loud. No heroics. Henry gave her a thumbs up as she stepped outside and shut the door to his tiny house. Standing, he grabbed his plate and glass and carried them to his countertop. Margot did the same behind him. He leaned back on the counter as she placed the dishes beside his. So, did you want to... He started to say, but was interrupted as Margot leaned into him, wrapped herself around him, and kissed him deeply. Oh, and that ends chapter 18! Wow. That was a sappy, sappy chapter. Am I right? And that ending... Ooh. I don't know. I will say, okay, so it ended with Margot deeply kissing Henry or whatever. That actually, I'm going to go out on a limb, say, not particularly awful. It wasn't bad. The dialogue at breakfast was just cringeworthy. I, I was so embarrassed by that. I, oh, how could I have written that? At least at the end, it kind of seemed like they were just going to make out. You know what I mean? That was That was fine. That was a little bit hard to get through this chapter. So, again, it's a chapter where nothing happens. We do get to see part of a staff meeting. Always fun. <laughs> I That would be a good statistic when we finish this book, is to count how many staff meetings they've attended. But it's pretty bad. It Yeah. But uh, this chapter was pretty awful, I think. Uh, where we, so... We're going to move on to chapter 19 next week, and it'll it'll have a little bit more interesting thing. I think there'll be magic. I guess that's something, right? Magic, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit exciting, but other than that, I think we're going to be disappointed again. This book's so disappointing. So my big problem with this book is, like, Henry got called up to go on this extended mission because, all right, so he's going to Greystead because what was the name of that town that I End Hill, uh, Edge Hill? What the hell was it called? It was another hill, wasn't it? End Hill. I'm gonna say I gotta get to the staff meeting. Bloop, bloop, bloop. End Rock. That's right, End Rock, which sounds like somewhere in the Flintstones. Let's be honest. <laughs> but okay, 
Henry has to go to uh, Greystead instead. But the problem with that is, like, I don't think in that section they're really explaining, like, so do we remember that, I don't even know if you'd call it a subplot, that, like, mild narrative that people in villages keep disappearing and then people who go to investigate disappear... I feel like this book isn't conveying that that's what the problem is lately, and we're just jumping on on that right now. Because, all right, spoiler alert, that's what's happening in Endrock and Greystead, is that they're going to villages that have been disappeared by unknown forces, yada, 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 gotta go investigate. I don't know. I just feel like that subplot, if you want to call it that, and again, I don't think it's strong enough to be a subplot, just not, well, that's not even fair to call it a subplot, because that implies a plot. (laughs) I'm so annoyed! (laughs) So, Henry has to go investigate disappeared villages, which, as I said in this staff meeting, I don't think is communicated properly for the reader to understand that that's why he's going on a trip is because people keep disappearing places, and they're sending another group to investigate, and apparently Henry is amongst them. Lame. Lame, lame, lame. So, does anybody know what the plot of this book is yet, other than Henry loves Margot and vice versa? Because I'm at a loss at this point. I just don't know. You would think if you were going to write a fantasy novel about two people falling in love, maybe there'd be like... Some sort of conflict that they resolve together and therefore fall in love. Instead, it's just, oh, I kind of like him. Oh, let's, let's give him a kiss. <laughs> so I, well, I guess in one sense, it's more realistic, right? <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, the lovely Laura and I were battling organized crime when we met, and that's how we fell in love. Obviously, just kidding, but it's, uh, I guess, you know, in a book, you kind of want some escapism, but no, instead, it's just office romance. <laughs> yeah, pretty lame. So let's get on to some discussion questions, because I feel like I'm babbling, and that Jim Beam is hitting harder than I thought it would, and I still have to do work. <laughs> okay, all right, question one. So if we remember, let me read chapter 18. Margot goes to find Henry during her lunch break, which is a whole different problem that we need to talk about in a second here. Blah, 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 blah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Margot's lunch break. Oh, yeah, she goes to the equipment building. <laughs> uh, eventually, she saw him doing some sort of drill with a large border. So, first question, what drill involved... A large boulder. (laughs) So what was Henry doing? So this is work, mind you. So he was like practicing. I guess like if any professional athletes are listening to the podcast, maybe they have some better ideas of what you'd be doing. Because I don't really understand what you would do over and over again with a large boulder for work. Seems like kind of a football thing. Like is he just pushing it around the field? to? And as we discussed, is it to like boost his magic strength? Or is it to fine-tune how he uses magic? Or is it to practice, like, a new move he's working on, you know? I don't know. Write in. What do you think he was doing with the boulder? I think that's pretty, uh, 
I think that's really up in the air. I think it's actually a good question, which implies that most of my questions are good, and they aren't on purpose. All right, question two. So after Margot went to see Henry playing with his rocks, right, she turned and briskly headed off the fields and towards her desk. All right, so Margot, second question. What's on Margot's desk, right? What is she decorating her desk with? All right, I, I mean... When I have desks, you know, maybe a picture of the lovely Lara will sit on the desk. Uh, right now, um, what? I have one of those uh, remote con- phone remote-controlled uh, BB-8 robots on my desk. I guess that's decorating it. I also have a paperweight that's Fenway Park uh, because the Red Sox kick ass, sort of. What do I want to say? I like the Red Sox from a nostalgia standpoint, and I miss them not winning all the time. So that's kind of weird. Anyway, that's what decorates my desk. Oh, I got a yo-yo up here. Well, that's not really decoration as an activity. Oh, and I do have an Apollo command module and service module from Micro Machines sitting on top of my computer on my desk. And also Tim the Toolman Taylor sitting in his jet-powered lawnmower, and Al Borland with a Binford toolbox looking on with uh, disapproval. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know where I got these things, but they're rad as hell. (laughs) Yeah, tool time, great stuff, yeah. Did anybody out there watch Home Improvement? Write in. So what do do you think Margot is decorating her desk with? Because, all right, let's go through some things, right? She's from the north, right? Probably doesn't have pictures of her family. Doesn't like her family. Okay, so uh, she does seem to be uh, always wearing dark colors. So is there something like kind of goth or emo that she's going to keep on her desk? Maybe like her favorite band that plays depressing music? That could be. That could be. Or like uh, she's really into shoes. So I'm guessing she has some sort of like pencil holder. That's a shoe. You know what I mean? And in Margot's case, since she's obsessed, it might be an actual shoe. You know, like she had like a really sweet pair of, I don't know, well, for pencils, it would have to be like high heels, I guess, because you want them to sit in the shoe. But let's say she lost one of the pair, so she has the other one to hold her pencils and pens. What do you think? I don't know. What else would Margot have up there? Hmm, I don't know. Write in. I'm going to think about this too. I want to answer this next week as well. That's very exciting. I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, and you can write in with what you decorate your desk with too. That's part two of the question. What do you have on your desk that's decorative? I know what the lovely Laura will write in with. Um, that's And actually, some of the listeners might know at this point too. <laughs> Just based on some of her responses to discussion questions. Okay. All right. Question three. Margot cooked dinner for Henry and Janie. And if you remember correctly, she made a hash, a northern recipe hash, right? So my question is, what are your opinions on hash? Right? So I'm thinking like, I think in America, we kind of think of it as a breakfast food. So what do you, what, what kind of hashes do you like? Have you even had any hashes? So I'm going to go with the very American answer and say that Hormel corned beef hash 
is freaking awesome. <laughs> I had that growing up all the time. My, so it sounds like my mom was lazy, but she would take Hormel corned beef hash and she would fry it up in the frying pan and get it like crispy on the bottom so it would burn a little bit almost. And she'd put it on a plate and then she would plop like a poached egg on top. See, that's where it gets fancy again. She would make us poached eggs for breakfast. This was on like a school day and put it on top of corned beef hash. And I got to say, it is freaking one of the greatest luxuries in the world. (laughs) Corned beef hash with a poached egg. It's just astounding. It is nothing better. Oh, so good. Mm. I kind of want to go make that now, but I have to go to the store and buy a can of Hormel corned beef hash. (laughs) So uh, what do you guys think of hash? And I don't understand how it could be better than Hormel corned beef hash. The way those tiny little cubes of potato show up in there, that's my problem with like somebody making it. How are they making the potatoes in those like, they're like quarter inch cubes or for all you freaking... People who don't use the right measurement system, like half a centimeter, all right? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Five millimeters. Is that better? Jesus Christ. So they're these little cube potatoes, and they're just, they're perfect in that size. Because I'm, as an adult man, I probably should be eating a lot of potatoes. They're just so delicious. And then there's so much corned beef. I've heard people say it kind of smells like cat food when you fry it, but I don't know. Hormel corned beef hash is exquisite, especially with a poached egg. What are your opinions on hash? Yeah. yeah. If you've had, like, good hash somewhere, write in and tell me, because I'm at a loss. I've never had good hash anywhere. I once made for uh, breakfast, I took a kielbasa, and I diced it up real tiny into these little bits, and then I diced up a green pepper and an onion and I made kielbasa hash is what I called that. So there was no potatoes in it, but that again was pretty awesome too. So right in if if you have some like good places to go to get a good hash, let me know. Let me know. I'm trying to think if Bob Evans even offers corned beef hash. Bob Evans has come up on the show before, I think, right? But they have like they have like a pot roast hash. That's true. And that's pretty amazing too. All right. So we're up to Hormel in a can and Bob Evans have good hash. So let me know if you know anywhere else with good hash. Is this a discussion question? I kind of feel like I'm just asking for Yelp reviews without actually having to look at the internet. <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? Just tell me what I should be eating. That's what I want to know. <laughs> You know what I just realized? This episode, I didn't burn any bridges. And uh, just last night, that kind of came up with... I had a meeting with... Uh, unrelated, let's not get into it. But, uh, yeah, you know, somebody was kind of burning bridges at the meeting. And I was like, wow, this... You know, a few of us were like, wow, that seems like a bad idea. And I was doing it for the last two weeks on this podcast. You know what, though? I was burning bridges for good reasons, right? Right? I think, yeah, employment discrimination, I think that counts <laughs> as a good reason to burn bridges. Or one of my peers being a douchebag also counts. I'm sure he would say I was not his peer. He was better than me. But, yeah, you can go to hell. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to bring up the name again because... I don't want to embarrass Brian any further on this podcast. Am I right? Yeah, I know what I just did. Don't worry. 
Anywho, uh, if you want to write into the podcast with some discussion question answers or tell me where I should get some hash in the greater Cleveland area, because I'm not real prone to traveling, you know what I mean? Uh, go ahead and head over to jeffreadsbook.com. And when you're there, you can find some links for my Twitter account. Uh, it is at Fortran Jeff. You can tweet me. Or you can head on over to Mastodon and you can get me at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or if you want to email me because you're old school, head on over to your email client. Does anybody even use email clients? I just use a web browser. I don't know who's using I guess your phone kind of counts. Whatever. Send me an email at jba at sdf.org. And if any of that wasn't clear, just head to jeffreadshisbook.com and there's all the links there and buy some books because we are still very, very, very far from paying for my microphone. <laughs> so I think that about wraps it up. I have a little bit more whiskey here, so I'm going to go ahead and sip this while I make sure this episode is saved. And I hope you're all enjoying a nice whiskey if you're not driving around right now. So until next time, keep on reading. <laughs>